Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Mindset Matters podcast. I hope you're all having a great week, and let's get right into it. Do you struggle with confidence? For years, I did, and I didn't even know it. But I had this facade of fake confidence that even fooled myself. It was a mask of might that covered the insecurities, the worries and the doubts, the fears and all the possible negative emotions a person could have and feel. The emotions and thoughts behind the mask seeped into every aspect of my life, like a shadow following me wherever I went. In my life, that shadow followed me to school, the gym, the baseball field, on dates, any social interaction, really. Fake it till you make it, right? That's what everyone tells you. But what if I told you that you can have confidence in the wrong things, in the wrong place, and in the wrong people? The same type of confidence that crumbles under a certain amount of pressure. The type of confidence that can't help in the face of real adversity. The type of confidence that leaves you hanging out to dry when those anxious thoughts creep in, or when the sadness kicks in at the end of the day, or whatever circumstance. What if I told you that there's an authentic confidence, a confidence that laughs in the face of adversity, and even sees the adversity as a game, knowing all the while that it's nothing you can't handle? Let's take a step back here. In order to have confidence, what do you do? In order to eradicate fear, what do you do? You outwork it. Confidence manifests when you're sure of the work you've put in the routines and the habits that you live and breathe by, the very proof of the person you are by the life you live. Simply put, it's consistency that creates confidence. But recently I've come to find that there's even more to it, that there's levels to it, and that it's where you put your confidence that matters the most. No matter how much you fake it, However much confidence you put in yourself, your flesh will always fail you after a certain point. Whatever person you put your trust in, the performance you rely on for your confidence, the results you rely on, the discipline you rely on, will never be a guarantee. The greatest example I can think of in my own life is in sports, baseball specifically. I could train every day of the week, do all the mobility work and recovery possible, get with the best coaches, get the best advice, and use the best equipment. But that doesn't guarantee anything. Come game day and I could still go out on that field and not have my best stuff that day. It's unrealistic to expect perfection. It's unrealistic to expect a good day at the field every time you step on it. It's unrealistic to think things are going to go your way simply because you've put the work in life happens. And that's not to say to not aim for perfection. You owe it to yourself to give 100% of your perfect effort every time you do something, whether it's baseball, school, relationships, you name it. But back to what I was saying, the unexpected, the immeasurable, the unpredictable things happen. So in the same way, it's unrealistic to put your confidence in the flesh. When every day the unexpected, immeasurable, unpredictable happen. The things you weren't prepared for. 
the things you can't be prepared for. Psalm 73 verse 26 says it best. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. When it comes to those times where our flesh fails, and it will, God is the only way we're going to be able to push through. When we're weak, God is the only one who's going to be able to keep us strong. Pastor Stephen Furtick speaks of the story of Saul before he was Paul, where you have this highly regarded man, highly educated under the most highly regarded rabbi of that time, born into God's chosen people, the Israelites, born into the tribe of Benjamin, the very tribe that the kings of Judea came from, a man promoted to the highest rank of education one could be. On top of all of this, he had Roman citizenship, which was a privilege as Rome was the world power of this time. So to put it in perspective, this dude thought he had every reason to believe he was better than everyone. He was privileged beyond compare. And I'm sure Saul was nothing but confident in his own flesh, in the works he had done, and in the status that he held. But as we see in Acts 9, God had enough. Saul was persecuting Christians, and on his way to Damascus to put all the believers in jail, a blinding light from heaven surrounds him and knocks him off his horse. And God essentially is like, who do you think you are, persecuting me and my people? Saul then spent the next three days having to be led by someone, when he himself was used to leading people, when he was used to knowing what to do and what to say, and making things happen for himself. Maybe you can relate to this, where in your own life something comes along and you're thinking, I didn't take a class on this, I wasn't prepared for this. There's no how-to book on this or a podcast to guide me through it. And we get humbled, just like Saul. Probably not in such an extreme way, but rightfully so. But just like him, we have to reevaluate ourselves, because the whole time we've been comparing ourselves to others, whether it's to feel better about ourselves or to justify ourselves or whatever. So then we get off our high horse, realizing, God, I'm sick of myself. I want to change. I can't do this on my own. I can't handle these expectations, these standards, this pressure, this anxiety, this depression. I'm tired. I can't keep doing this. I can't keep falling short. I'm letting myself down. I'm letting others down. I'm letting you down. Saul understood that he compared himself to everyone for so long that it finally brought him to a point where, not because he was on the bottom, but no, because he was on top. He compared himself to Jesus, and after that, he didn't have anything left to brag about. See, when you're at the top and you're so high and mighty, feeling like you're on top of the world and nothing can drag you down, that's when God's going to humble you and you're going to get knocked off your high horse. Like, compare yourself to Jesus. Go ahead. Are you still so great? Do you still have that confidence? Are you still so smart? Embrace your weaknesses, your lacking attributes, the things you have to work on. Because just as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, God says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Then Paul says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. Embrace your weaknesses, because time and time again I'll say that when we are weak, God is strong. 
And the Holy Spirit strengthens us to do things that we could never do on our own. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 29 through 31, it says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Although we stumble, we fall, and we fail, it's inevitable. But those who hope and put their trust in God will tap into a new source of strength unlike anything felt before. A new source of confidence unlike anything felt before. And in Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 7 it says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. And if you're thinking, man, I don't know if I can do this. How do I know if I'm ready for what I'm about to step into? Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. When we make the choice to do everything we do for the glory and honor of God, to live according to His will and purpose instead of our own selfish ambition, there's not a thing He won't guide us through, not a thing He won't prepare us for, and not a thing He won't enable us to conquer. I'll end with Psalm 91, verses 14 and 16, and I really recommend you read the entire chapter of Psalm 91 because this is something that's gotten me through all the hard times recently. And it says, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him, I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. The crazy thing is, and I mentioned this in the last podcast, but I had my first outing on the mound, my first start on the mound since high school in two years. And the craziest thing is I was woken up with a vision from God, with this chapter just in my head. And I woke up and I was like frantically looking through my Bible, like ah, Psalms 91, Psalms 91, Psalms 91. And I found it and I realized this is the very chapter that my pastor spoke over me my senior year before I left for UNLV. And until this point, I never saw it really come into fruition. I never truly embraced it for myself. I never truly felt like it was for me until God woke me up with this on the very day that I would make my first start in two years. So how could I not show up to the field fully confident knowing that if I call on God, He's going to answer me. He's going to be with me. He's going to deliver me and honor me. And if I had any fear of getting re-injured again, I would know that God will protect me. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our God. He's a God who cares for us and loves us more than anything and wants the best for us and wants us to go out and conquer, wants us to go out and be victorious and bring glory to his name. And then I go out on the mound that day and I, for the first time in my baseball career, I'm on the mound and I feel nothing but peace, nothing but joy. There's no worry, there's no anxiety, there's no fear in my mind. I was simply just happy to be there, grateful 
to be there. And I was praising and singing to God the entire time while I was pitching. Specifically singing Gratitude by Brandon Lake because, of course, that's a banger. But this is the confidence I'm talking about. This is the confidence that, in the face of adversity, doesn't crumble, doesn't waver, and it remains, just like our God. And this speaks to the magnitude of God, the very might and glory of His name. If we choose to acknowledge His name, if we choose to love Him, we choose to abide by His will, and if we choose to bring glory and honor to His name. Because if He knew me before, as a pitcher, as a baseball player, I was a head case. One bad thing could happen, one bad inning, one bad pitch could flood my mind with a whole bunch of possible scenarios in my head that would lead me down a rabbit hole of negative self-talk and anxiety and fear. And it would entirely affect the outcome of my future performance. It would cripple me. But now with God, I'm up on that mound and I'm just purely happy and and just enabled like never before. I just wanted to share that story with you guys because it's powerful and it's real. And I want to challenge you to let God lead in your own lives. It doesn't have to be baseball. It doesn't even have to be sports. But whatever matters to you most on this earth, trust me. Give it to God, and He's going to fulfill it way more than you ever possibly could have. Let Him lead, and He'll lead you to victory that you've never felt before. That you'll never come close to without Him. I promise you, just just try it. And that about wraps up this episode. I appreciate each and every single one of you for listening in. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. And until next time, stay positive, love others and have a good week. Later.